0: What would you do if I told you that the first people to hear about the one who's greater than all were some of the least of them all? Today on the Midwick Move, we're gonna talk about that. The Midweek Move, podcast extension of The Healing Place, the podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined again by our great friend, Doug Parker. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing ex- good. I'm excited to have you back on with us for another round through the book of Luke. We had a really great conversation talking about uh, the birth of Jesus, and now we're going to go a step further uh, into it, and um, this is an interesting uh, section in my opinion, because this is like the first people to hear about Jesus being born outside yes. of really his immediate family. Right? <laughs> like, like this is a big ordeal. And, um, yeah, let's just jump into it. Cause I'm, I'm excited about this, uh, portion, uh, starting in verse eight. Now there were in the same city. Co- I'm sorry. Same country, uh, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night and behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. So the first announcement to shepherds is an interesting one. Uh, and this is something I just discovered through study recently. Culturally, shepherds were seen as unclean, which I'm like, that makes sense. Uh, and in some cases, untrustworthy. Uh, yet yeah. um, it is these very vagrants who are, were first made aware of the newborn king. Uh, now, many have pointed out that this connection of the Messiah and shepherding goes all the way back to the days of David. God uh, reminds David uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8, he says this, I myself took you from the pasture from my uh, from following the sheep to be a leader over the people of Israel. So it's interesting, this whole aspect of this, really less than people who kind of like look down. Of course, we have this we have this sort of month-sized idea of, of, of what shepherding is yes. and with this idea of like, well, I'm the shepherd of the flock. You know, that's what pastors are doing. They kind of got their collars a little tighter right. than they probably should. Um, some people, they kind of idolize these shepherds. Yes. Um, but like I said, culturally speaking, it's a very humbling position to, humbling. to be a shepherd. Our Savior is called the Great Shepherd. And right. our leaders are called, like I said, pastors. They're also known as shepherds. So while it's easy to lift the idea because of the association with Jesus, it is, uh, it's is—it's a very humble association. It is very humble. <laughs> so my question for you is, how can leaders keep this concept of humility in front of them as they lead or shepherd others? I, I would say that the proper view of what shepherding or
1: leading is, is, you know, we we think about, management in a secular sense it's always like a pyramid mm. the person who's in charge is at the top and then it gets broader as you go down there's more and more people that you're responsible mm-hmm. for and more and more people who who answer to you but shepherding is different it's really inverted you know if you flip the pyramid upside <laughs> down the shepherd is at the bottom and mm. the weight of all of that is on him he's responsible for the well-being of all those people and who are in that that um that flock and all that weights fall on, falls upon him. So it's humble because no one's working for you. You're working for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really what what that looks like. And they even have a scripture, you know, that I was thinking about that kind of helps me put some context to that. And it's Isaiah 40 and 11. It says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with the young. Mm. He will carry them. So uh, it also says that gently lead those who are with young. It's a gentleness about how we um, navigate as a shepherd. And even in Isaiah, when it says that um, he will carry them, that's saying that, the responsibility is upon the shepherd. It's right. not upon the people. You know, sheep are sheep, and they don't. They're responsible to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they just follow you around. And to a point, you know, we know. I, I actually, logically, within the context of, of Christian discipleship, you teach them more and more. They become more and more independent. Then they reproduce, and they become a shepherd. And, you know, you just continue to reproduce. But in the, the truest sense of the word, in the infancy, the infancy of any of these relationships. All the responsibility falls on a person that's doing this shepherding or the discipleship. Right. And there's really no room for being puffed up <laughs> once you really see what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. You know, we work. Ministry is work. Yeah. Ministry is hard in the sense that you determine how things look. Sure. You're the filter. You create somebody's pictures of, of somebody's picture or thoughts or or concept of Jesus is related upon how you disciple them. Yeah. You know, so that takes away all of the you know, the first day on the job, you're you're really excited about it. You know, by the end of that day, <laughs> you realize, what did I sign up
0: for? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's you and I. You and I have the opportunity to come from very different different perspectives. Some people we're both on staff at churches, mm-hmm. um, and but we're also both kind of the leaders of parent church ministries. And so, yeah. it's one of those things where we have to go in our own house. You know, I dictate yeah. what Geek Devotions is. You dictate what Direct Message Ministries is. Yeah. And but at the same time, we we answer to our pastors, right? Our leaders, and so there is a level of we. Thankfully, both of us have pastors that we can go. Oh, that's terrible, <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they share that with us, not to put the burden on, but to teach yeah. us, so we can then grow. And I think that's the thing: is that right. I think so many shepherds, so many pastors over the years, they either they've lost track of the humility of it. Mm-hmm. They've 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 gotten high on the respect because again it's we we should respect our leaders one yes. hundred percent because of the burden they carry you right. know I, I respect there are things that that my pastor Scott Etheridge has gone through and seen that I don't want to know there yeah. are things he's told me I'm like I didn't need to know that <laughs> not that it was anything appropriate but right. it was just like man that's I'm yeah. praying for you <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly. I'm praying for you pastor but it's been good for me because he shares these things for me and so as I build uh, the, the the geek devotions I'm able to go we're going to avoid this pit hole exactly because of the humbleness of one person. Yes. And I think that if we can train up our other people to do that and have a mindset, we're learning from each other. Not one person's better than another. pastor. We, we joke every time he goes away to a legacy conference or he goes to visit a church of one of his other friends, we're like, what's he going to come back with next? Because he <laughs> yeah. learns. He goes to places like, I like this, like that. I don't like that. And yeah. and that's what I love about it. He's like, All right, okay, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that he does that, but, it's we need to be humble enough to go. I don't know it all. Yeah, exactly. And again, yeah. these shepherds, these guys are. I mean, again, like I said, culturally they're like, all right, you're you're shepherds. Yet <laughs> you're these correct. are the guys who are given the good news. Yes. On the good front end, news. these are the guys who are like, they're, again, they're scared because there's a all of a sudden an angelic being, which we've had various descriptions that are terrifying in the scriptures <laughs> <Yes>. about. <laughs> and uh, and so true. Yeah. now they're like, wait, there's this good news. Come to us. And we're we're just shepherds. Right. Like it's mind blowing. And I think the more pastors and leaders had this mindset of like, I had this good news that's been trust me to give. Uh-huh. I'm nobody. Yes. I'm just like, not to be self-loathing or anything like that. That's a whole nother conversation. Right. But to go, man, thank you. To give me to give me the opportunity to share the gospel. That's a huge mindset that I think people yeah. need to get in their heads. Yes. All right. Verse 10. Uh, but I'm trying to catch up on my screen here. Uh, okay. <laughs> then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings and great joy, uh, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is... Christ the Lord. Right now, somebody has the Peanuts music playing in the background. Unless I'll read this. And this will be the sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So the angel begins, thankfully, by calming the, the yeah. shepherds out. <laughs> Calm down. And uh, then goes on to announce the birth of Jesus. Uh, now, there are two phrases that are very interesting to me, uh, which will be, Uh, to all people, and then Christ the Lord. Those two phrases, uh, those are very fascinating phrases to me. Um, How is Jesus being known as Christ the Lord something that would bring joy to all people? And how is this idea of all people, how does it contrast to the general idea at the time of what the, the Messiah was supposed to be? Yeah, very interesting. I love this point here. Because, again, like I said before, he's a lamb of God
1: who has come to take away the sins of the world. It's a thought process that uh, initially Jesus, uh, and I contrast that with what it looks like now, because initially, you know, the Jewish people felt like the Messiah was for them. It was the soon-coming king, and he was going to take care of all, everything that ill the Jewish people, righteousness, unfair treatment, everything. He was for them. And now we look at the point where we're sharing them with the world. I don't think that that was initially received very well. Mm-hmm. You know, even to this day, you know, some Jewish people don't look at the Messiah as being something for the whole world. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's for them uh, specifically. I think of a, a point that uh, I think it was Matthew 5, I believe. Remember there was a scenario where um, a woman who brought her demoniac child before Jesus and uh, she wanted Jesus to deliver her from a demon. And Jesus, uh, Jesus' response was that he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. You know, and she wasn't a Jew. Right. <laughs> so sorry, can't help you. But, of course, he healed her, he cast the demon out, and, and that's the contract. So people say, well, on the, on the surface of it, it looks like Jesus came just for the Jews. But obviously, universally, he's come for everyone. Exactly. And uh, he's done a very good job of, of even through the scriptures for us seeing that one person would call him to this is for us, mm-hmm. you know, and the Gentile was almost a bad word, you yeah. know, say Gentiles, but Jesus has shown so much grace to the Gentile world that we know that we have an inheritance as well. Right. So, you know, I understand if you look at the historical context of, of why the Jewish people are looking for a Messiah and a King to rule and to set things straight, we understand that. But then here we are with Jesus
0: being a, a king and messiah to all. Exactly. And the thing is, if you go back and read the scriptures where it talks about the, mess, the messiah, there, there are things that said, no, this is for the whole world. This is for everybody. And, um, and that's why it's so important. There's some people who, this is a, a kind of a side tangent I have. There's some people who are like, Oh, you don't need the old Testament. Just, you know, <laughs> no, you need, it. it's essential. We, I was having a conversation yeah. with your wife today while we we're at lunch. And, uh, she saw, there's my necklace. It has, the uh, uh, the, the menorah has star David and Jesus fish on it. And I was talking about how, you know, to me, it's to remind me as a symbol of the completeness of our faith. Yeah. You know, Jesus, his religion was not Christianity. His religion was, Jewish. Yes. <laughs> was right. Jewish. Right. And so we have to understand from a Jewish context yeah. so we can, uh, what happens so that we can really understand our Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And from back then, all the way through the New Testament, there's this what we call the scarlet thread that leads to Jesus and the salvation yeah. for the world. Yes, and that is such a big order because so many people they do they think, well, it's just for you, it's yeah. just for that, and that's a dangerous mindset when people are like, well, it's just for those people. Yeah, and there are even people I know that um, not religious at all, but they go, yeah. well, Jesus, yeah, he died and he might have been a real person, but it's just not for yeah. me. And some of it, they have this whole mindset of like, "Well, I've got to clean myself up. I have to, you know, I got to quit the drugs. I got to quit this or that." I, I have a family member that I love dearly, and they're like, "Well, I've just done too much." I am like, well, "Wow, no, no, you haven't." <laughs> you know, how do you? Let me ask you, how do you? How do you walk people through that process, man? That you are like they feel like Jesus is for everybody else, but not for them. Yeah. you know, I've I've had people who've really communicated that with me. They don't
1: seem to feel worthy of the blood of Jesus, mm. and you know. I have to explain that to him. I said, listen, you know, even even the, it's funny because even, you know, modern day Christianity, especially with, with America, how we stand in the gap for the Jewish people who haven't accepted Jesus as Messiah. Mm-hmm. They haven't accepted him, but he came for them as well. Yeah. So we continue to intercede on their behalf and to the point that they get what they accept the Messiah. You know, um, we, and, and the same thing happens when I'm dealing with someone one on one who says, well, I don't, I don't think that i'm worthy of that i continue to, to be continue to disciple you know uh even with my with my wife I, I tell a story she tells that at, at times that there was a point in time when we we're friends and she, she wasn't really walking in she wasn't walking in the light you know she had, had used the word backslid. Mm. and i continued over a couple of years uh just have conversations with her hey you're worthy The lord loves you and i would just continue to give a message of grace Make made sure that I wasn't p- putting Jesus in the scenario of being a big, bad Jesus and coming out to get you. Mm. But he always had a loving response to her, even through the way that I lived my life. And through the love that was shown through me being a living epistle of what the love of Jesus looked like. Right, came a point in time when she she rededicated her life. because She was never condemned. She was waiting for somebody to condemn her. Mm. She was waiting for us to come into agreement with the fact that she wasn't worthy to be walking into the love, love mm. of Jesus at that time. But due to the fact that the grace of Jesus continued to become evident to her, and it was shown through people, it softened her heart and made her receive Jesus at a moment mm. and understand
0: that even for her and her situation, she would receive right. Jesus. That's again. so good. Yeah. I think you kind of hit a little bit. There are a lot of people out there. They just like yeah. they're waiting for the rest of the world to just condemn them. They've already yeah. condemned themselves. They're waiting for somebody to come in, come into agreement with the lie. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there is a plethora of people out there who will happily do that. Yes. Um, but I've had so many conversations with people who I'm just like, like I, you know what the truth is. I still love you. I'm care. And it boggles right. their mind, like why? I'm like, yes, because Jesus loves you. Like that's just how it is. Like that's how it is. I'm not going to affirm X, Y, Z things that you're yeah. you you've taken on, but I'm going to affirm the fact that God still loves you. Mm -hmm. and there is an opportunity for you to be saved. Right. And I'm just here to be an open door for you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know? And that's the thing, because it's for everyone. And so, good stuff. All right, let's continue on. Verse 13 through 14. Uh, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Now, this first off, I want to stop right there. I just got to, like, I'm a visual person. So I'm picturing, like, here's this already a terrifying angelic being. All of a sudden, just... Blasted out. It's like the scene from Endgame where all of a sudden just these angels are there. Right. All of a sudden singing. These these shepherds are they're they're losing their minds watching this. And they're all yes. singing in unison. Uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill towards men. Yeah. And I mean, this is a amazing moment. Mm-hmm. Um we have this glorious scene where I mean, it's just—it's an army of angels, like just, angels. and they're celebrating. It's what—it's a, it's a doxology of praise yeah. of who Jesus is. Uh, now, I want there's something interesting to point out here because again, this is one of those things where people talk about discrepancies in scriptures. Many scholars have pointed out that unlike what we see in the New King James and the King James and other uh, Texas receptus based Bibles, the better reading of the second line is actually "On Earth Peace Among People with whom He is pleased." And that's an interesting phraseology with whom he is pleased. Yeah. How do we find ourselves in a place where he, God, is pleased with us?
1: Yeah, this is, you know, this is the best way I can explain. And, and it's so funny about the simplicity of how to please God. If I look at Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Mm. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. So he is what? He is a rewarder those that diligently seek him, Mm. but he is a healer, he's a provider. Whatever your situation is, that you believe that Jesus is that, and that he has your back, he will back you up, and through scripture, through relationship with him, uh, Matthew 6 and 33 tells us, Mm. to seek ye first the kingdom of God. When we go into a point where we look to to, uh, answer things on our own or fix things on our own, and we don't use... The mechanism of Jesus, I think those things are mispleas- uh, mis- I start, displeasing to Him. Mm. What He just simply wants from us is faith to believe in Him, yeah. and that is the way that we we find ourselves in a position to where God is pleased with us. Is leaning to what what Matthew eleven uh, tells us mm-hmm. when it comes to faith, believing that God is everything that you need, yeah. believing that He's the answer to all your scenarios. In that scenario, the relationship always grows, but He is faithful to understand he's he's faithful to undergird he's faithful to walk out or walk through with the life of the person who simply just believes him it's like childlike faith you know how pleasing it is when we have kids so we have nephews and nieces they just believe uh whatever uh uncle dallas says he's gonna do (laughs) he's gonna do you know just believe it it's just so cool that have and they have faith in you. Right. And that's how Jesus works.
0: Yeah. He just simply wants to has,
1: have faith in him. So it's not through works that we please him. Exactly. It is simply the faith in the son of God. Exactly. It's,
0: And I want to make sure, i am you said that we're not promoting a, a works-based salvation. Yeah. like that. That's, that is categorically wrong. However, right. faith without works is dead. That's correct. And so there is an aspect of us having faith in Jesus and what that pulls out of us. That's the seeking. That's yes. the 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 being with him, the being in prayer that kind of aspect yeah. that pleases god just coming to him yeah. um uh, one great example uh our our lead pastor here scott etheridge is a grandfather and he's very very proud of it <laughs> yeah. and i'll be sitting there having a pretty serious conversation with pastor and uh, his grandson will come in, and he'll yell for him. And Scott lights up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. I mean, just smile. You see it through the beard, everything. <laughs> he turns around. He's like, hey, buddy. And it, yeah. why? it's simply the fact that the grandson is seeking him. Yes. He just wants to be in his presence, and that pleases him. We can overlay that with God himself. Us right. just seeking him. God is pleased. Yes. It yeah. excites him. That is exciting. That's so cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Verse 15 and 16. So it was when the angels had gone away uh, from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe ly- lying in a manger. So the shepherds, they they watched the angels ascend into heaven, which I got to wonder how long that took like that just watching <laughs> till they just disappeared. Like what happened there? Right. And then with great excitement, they rushed to, to see the truth with their own eyes. They're just like, let's go. <laughs> this is awesome. Let's make sure this happens. or right, we'll yes. see how this happens. So uh, in our last episode, we talked about the importance of guarding what is given to us and not rushing yes. when God has given us a word, which is, that's a key thing. Sometimes there are things we just got, we, we need to sit on for a while because if you give it to the wrong person, they, you know, people tend to talk people out of the miraculous. Yes. Or you talk yourself out of the miraculous. But... um. There is evidence, uh, such as in this passage, that there are times where urgency needs to be taking place. Yeah, there has to be something that happens immediately. We don't need to sit on the word for days on end. How do you balance this out in your personal life? Um, how do you discern what is a word that you act on and very quickly, and what is one that maybe you need to guard for a season? How do you how do you balance that out? Yeah, I feel like an infomercial now. I'm so <laughs> glad you asked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're you're really going to ask a prophet a question like that? Listen, this is something that I tried to teach, and I've done I've done um, short podcasts on it and short um, uh, guides on this. When it comes to teaching people about the prophetic, I have what's called the rules of revelation, mm. and the rules of revelation are simply this: God reveals. And we start asking questions. Mm. So God tells us something and we start asking questions immediately. And, and these are the questions that, I, that I, I tell people to ask in a situation like this. So I, I say, whether it be a prophetic dream or a, a revelation, something that you, you feel like came alive during scripture, or something someone to, told you, whatever the source of an encounter, whatever it might be, I always say the first thing that you you ask the Lord is, is this for sharing or or is this for caring? And what the difference between sharing and caring is sharing is do I go out and make a bunch of people aware of this Mm. or caring is simply do I care for it and sit on it and incubate it, sit on it and keep it hot (laughs) until time, (laughs) you know? So that's the, that's the first thing you ask the Lord, is it for caring or sharing? Is it for me or is it for somebody else? Once you get an understanding of, of who it's for, the next question you ask is this, uh, well, if it's sharing or carrying, I'm sorry. Once you get a revelation on that, the next question you ask, is it for me? Is it for an individual? Is it for a group? Or is it for the body body? Mm. So I gotta know, am I doing, am I, am I stewarding this right now? Or am I going out to share it? If I am sharing it, who's it for? If it's for me, well, there's no one else I need to share. with. Mm-hmm. I just need to 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 work with the Lord on on what to do next with it. If it's for an individual or the body, ask the, the Lord. The next question is. If I'm to act on it or release it, when do I release it? Mm. You know, so it's it's timing. So first of all, what am, I, what am I doing with it? Am I stewarding it, keeping it a secret, or sharing it? If I'm sharing it, who's it for? And if I'm sharing it, and if it's for someone else, then when do I release it? Mm. It could be for me. You ever notice how someone will get a revelation from the Lord or you get a great word and God tells them something fantastic and they run out and tell everybody and, and everybody goes, oh. know, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, This is a great word. I just... Found this in scripture, the Lord said this to me and they go, Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because it wasn't for them. So it was no revelation. Right. Or it was something that they would have enjoyed, but it wasn't the proper season or timing. Mm -hmm. The same thing with with prophetic words, revelation, that type of scenario. The timing of it is essential. It's Mm. as important as the word itself. Right. Because I could give something out of season and it falls, Mm. you know, because one, the Lord hadn't developed it in me. I haven't covered it and stored it in prayer. I haven't haven't brought it into the the natural realm or the, the the realm of manifestation because I have not properly stewarded that word and prayed for it, right. or haven't put any structure around it yet. So now it if it fails, and I, I could prematurely push someone into a situation that the Lord didn't want mm. uh, them to be in. It's 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 interesting how the Lord stewards revelation and who He gives it to. The more faithful we are to care for it properly, the more He gives us. Mm. If we blow it, <laughs> and we prematurely go out and do things. He shares less with us until we mm. get to a point where we understand how to steward the revelation. Because God will share secrets with people. Mm. He's constantly sharing secrets through dreams and revelations. But if we don't steward it well, yeah. we're not a safe place for God to incubate those things. I really believe that God hides words in the, in the hearts of prophets and intercessors. Mm. He just gives it to them and let them pray for it. Right. I have words for people that I've said on six months, a year, and like that. And God just, just pray. Pray for yeah. it. Pray for them. Yeah, And and I, I found that to to be the, over the test of time, the best way to really deal with those things is first of all, get the revelation from the Lord of what to do with it. Word. And then when to do what he's called you to do with it.
0: Exactly. I think that kind of within that mindset, like that's a, that's a bounce for people is trying to figure yeah. out what do I, I'm probably, I, and I've talked with pastor about this over the years is like I am probably overly cautious about words. Yeah. I very rarely says, Hey, the Lord is saying this because yes. first off i I it's i don't take that lightly mm-hmm. that's a that's a serious thing to say yes. Um, but because i've seen abuses i've seen people who be right. like uh you know well thus saith the lord and they're just manipulating a crowd you know they're they're yeah. playing a game of some sort and then i see people who are like in good faith and, but like man you blew it <laughs> like that, that was not the lord that was the pizza you had last night but um and so I'm, I'm a little more over cautious, but for me, I know for me, when I've, when I have a word, I try to go through a lot of what you're talking about, it's yeah. for me, it's for everybody else. Yeah. But then I also, I go to trusted advisors, you know, I feel like yeah. I'm in the sanctuary and I've, if I have like a word in a, in a situation where there's a covering, I go to the covering. Yes. So if I have a word and there's, has happened several times where I'll have a word and uh, for me, my covering is, is Scott Etheridge, our early pastor, and then my associate pastor also, Matt. He's my, He's been my mentor for years. And so between two of them, uh, both of my mentors, I go, hey, this is what the Lord's saying to me. Yes. And I go, That's hey. Excellent. And I let them decide what they're going to do with it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they're running right. the show, you know. Uh, you know, I'll text Scott. And sometimes Scott doesn't get it. I'm going, look at your phone, look at your phone. And then when he <laughs> does, I'm like, well, supposed wasn't was before right now. So it's okay. Yeah. Or sometimes it was. It just was a season that I needed to hold on to things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just trial and error, I think, is yeah. just going. Trial and error, right? The Lord is very gracious on that.
1: And, you know, I love the point you just brought up about uh, going to your mentors because at Destiny Church, you know, I've walked through enough seasons with Pastor Jeff, you know, in, in seven-year, period that if I have something he's gonna let me share it he yeah. does not even ask for what it is but the culture is if someone you know besides myself has a a, a prophetic word or revelation you know they'll come to me and and mm-hmm. I'll I'll judge it I'll listen to it and I ask them those questions really quick yeah you know what is God saying that's good uh, who's he saying it to you know uh yeah. is he telling you to share it now mm-hmm. what do you do? and I'll ask those <laughs> the questions and sometimes people go oh <laughs> never mind yeah. i just go home and pray about it yeah. and, and i i which I, is great it is that's great a,
0: that's beautiful
1: yeah it, it is beautiful and and it really helps people in their processing because you get a, a word from the lord and you, you get manifestations where your your toe is shaking your ears itching <laughs> like i gotta say it i gotta say it and then once somebody asks you a couple of questions you realize i don't have to say it yeah. <laughs> not necessarily so
0: good so good all right well, let's continue on we got um Uh, lost my place here. All right. Starting in verse 17, I believe is where we're at now. All right. Now, when they had seen him, they, uh, they made widely known the saying, which uh, was told to them concerning this child. And those who had heard, who heard it were marveled at those things, which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. So, to me, this is an interesting scene. These shepherds that show up, and in fact, they become really the first evangelists. They're like, "This is what the Lord's saying." Yes. And uh, as they share what they had uh, seen, uh, what had been spoke to them, um, people were amazed. They're shocked. They're all, um, they they were like, "Wow, this is this is cool. You saw an angel. There's 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 an army. They're singing. They're all sort of stuff." And you know, we just got here. Like, how does this happen? But Mary took things differently. Luke is very clear that she took these things and pondered them. As a leader how uh, who often operates in the prophetic and is uh, in various Pentecostal circles often, uh, where traditionally we get very excited about the proclamation of of God's word. And I think you probably answered my question already here. But how do you uh, be sure not to allow honest excitement of others to interrupt the need you may have to ponder and not move so quickly on a word?
1: Yeah, I, I, we'll go back to the previous question because it's definitely leaning into senior um, ministry leaders and share what's in your heart. You know, I feel like God is telling me to move in this direction. I feel like He's telling me to do this and, and get wise counsel there. But then also, you know, a big value of mine is uh, Colossians uh, 315. It says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, mm. to which you were also called on one body and be thankful. Peace, sometimes you get. You're excited, you want to move out on something, but you have no peace about it, right? You know, peace is our umpire. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through peace, in many times, and uh, if I don't have peace on a scenario, I don't move, right? You know, something I want to lean into for a minute is for those of us who are blessed enough to have a help meet, Mm. you know. And this is what the help meet does, you know. When you when you're married, and this is hey, if you're not married, here's (laughs) a good reason to get married. I will tell you for, for for this very reason, it's beneficial when you. Are married, you know. You have a mission, and then we have like geek devotions. You and Celeste have an agreement. You know what the why is. You, you go with everything you do. You do through the filter of Jesus. So you know what the why is. Mm-hmm. But it's sometimes the, the the what and the when mm-hmm. that comes in a question when it comes like to a prophetic scenario, moving out whatever. You know. So sometimes we always have the why, but then other times it's like, what is the what? What are we doing? And then when are we doing it? So God reveal to one person what needs to be done mm-hmm. and the other person they get the peace on, on when to do it.
0: Right. Yeah, you yeah. know,
1: so it's, it's a bouncing off of each other. I know when we moved uh, back in 2017 from Chicago to uh, Virginia, we both knew what the why was. We knew that we were moving based on some God, some things that God was going to do in ministry.
0: Yeah.
1: But we didn't know the what in that case was the where. So I didn't know that part, but I knew the when. <laughs> So <laughs> it was like, well, I know when. Now it's the season. Right. I was so confident that it was the season. But then some opportunities came up, and Maryland knew the where. She knew it was Virginia. So we kind of bounced off each other That's to good. get the complete picture of God. Yeah. It's good to have wise counsel, those things like that. You never want to do anything on your own and say, well, God told me. You know what I mean? People, I've seen shipwreck because they said God told me, but right. they only told me and no one else, and right. there's no confirmation. God's okay with you getting confirmation. God yeah. wants you to be sure. He's not gonna put you in a situation to where you um are, are making foolish decisions because you didn't get wise counsel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in in the um safety of community, good godly community, you'll find those
0: answers. Absolutely. That's good. And I think that the key word good godly community. There are some people that it's not good community. Yes. And sometimes there's some toxic stuff and you have to work through that, obviously. That's why I'm I'm very big with people like, hey, you know, make sure things balance. Make sure you have yeah. a, you know, you have a community that's gonna love you enough to tell you no. Right. but walk you through it appropriately also. Because there are some situations, unfortunately, where people are like, no, you can't do that because they want to just control you. Yes, exactly. You, you have to have some discernment about that, yes. obviously. All right, cool. Sure. All right, so let's bring this to a close here. Uh, verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The shepherds are heading back to their tasks while glory glorifying yes. God. We live in a culture, though, that um the act of of praise and simply the act of speaking about what God is doing in our churches yes. uh, is kind of frowned upon. And it's kind of like people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to talk about church because you know, people might get offended or they might ask me questions yes. that I don't know how to answer. And there's a there's a timidness to it. Um I mean, not even um, I mean, it's just it is. I mean, I've seen inside church and outside church, you yes. know, taking place. Why is it important that we as believers do not stop praising our Lord even when we exit an environment where it's safe to do? Like there's some people like yeah. they're scared to do it even in the four walls of the church. They're like, I don't want to <laughs> raise my hand. I don't know what's, <laughs> yes. you know, or they're like, you know, I don't want to read my Bible. You're in church. <laughs> that's why we're here. But yes. why is it so important for us not to give up, not to stop and be be bold yes. in the public? Yeah. Oh,
1: that's, you know what? I almost felt unworthy to answer this question. The best person to ask this question, I'm going to take a shot at, his name is Pastor Scott Etheridge, (laughs) evangelist, pastor, (laughs) apostle, prophet, teacher. And the reason I use him is because of all the people in the world that I know, he has the biggest, greatest pulse on this. And because I've I've heard him talk before, I believe it's because he asked God to create opportunities Mm -hmm. for him. Because you know he's not ashamed to share the gospel any place he goes, but he does it with so much wisdom. So there are a lot of pitfalls sometimes with sharing the gospel in 2024, in in scenarios and how you can say it and what you say. But but here's the thing, I know I know of a couple of scenarios to where uh, Pastor Scott has done things so far off the radar <laughs> that people would never do, and the results were fantastic. Uh, there's one scenario, and I won't go into the story. I know he's told it. It's a big story here at the church that he had a, a prophetic work in Dubai once, mm. and he gave it to a, an influential person. And, mm. and I don't think he used the language of our kingdom, mm-hmm. but he used some language that meant something to the person right. that was in, influenced, and some great things happened after that yeah. uh, in, in Dubai. And then one thing that I witnessed was a uh, legacy conference uh, spring of last year. We went out to eat dinner and there was uh, a couple of ladies that were hosting our banquet room, and they were uh, just watching us. Mm. And then Pastor Scott, you know, sought the Lord, and he had a couple of words. One one lady got saved. It mm. was serving that She got saved yeah. in that moment in an environment. Another lady, we ended up buying, taking up a collection to buy her um, equipment to start a photography business. Just yeah. taking up a collection in the room because they heard the Lord. But he constantly seeks for opportunities. And because you seek for those opportunities, God will create the right opportunities. Now, if we haphazardly go out and just say we're going to declare the gospel and we're trying to salt the wrong place at the wrong time and it's not fertile ground, we could cause injury to ourselves (laughs) or or to other people. But if you have the heart, Lord, give me the opportunity and show me the place, he's always going to create an evangelistic opportunity. The why behind it is because we always want to see people uh, receive Jesus or share Jesus with them. They need an opportunity to, to hear Jesus, but it's our approach to the Lord about creating opportunities
0: for, to do it in the right environment. Word. So good. So good. All right. Well, it's been great having you on for the last couple of weeks. We really appreciate it. Hey, if yes. someone wants to get a hold of Direct Message Ministries, how can they find you?
1: Uh, the best way is directmessageministries.com. All right. And there's contact
0: uh, a opportunities on the website awesome we're gonna have links in the description down below for you guys to check that out but we hear from you guys how can we encourage you how can we pray with you how have you learned from this reach out to us mediahub at thpstreetport.com is our email address and then also check out midweek move on facebook and don't forget to comment on the youtube channel until next time have a great week